Hey there, and welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Timberlake Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Our mission is to reach, feed, and release people to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You can learn more at our website, TimberlakeUMC.org. We hope you enjoy today's message. I can't believe that, said Alice. Can't you, the queen said in a pitying tone, try again, draw a long breath and shut your eyes. Alice laughed. (laughs) There's no use trying. One simply cannot believe in impossible things. I dare say you haven't had much practice, said the queen. When I was your age, I always did it for half an hour every day. Why, I sometimes believed in as many as six impossible things before breakfast. Brothers and sisters, never forget, we are the people who believe impossible things because we are the ones who worship a God who can do the impossible. Today is the third Sunday of Advent, and we are continuing in our series. Welcome back. Uh, two Sundays ago, we started with the story of Joseph, and uh, we are talking about the characters of Christmas. We talked about Joseph and his role in salvation history. Last Sunday, the characters were, of course, the children. And shout out uh, to the children and their families and to the Lord for blessing us with the children and their storytelling. So grateful for them. Today we are talking about another character or two in the Christmas story. And today we're talking about Zechariah and Elizabeth. Michaela, our student ministry director, read for us the story from Luke chapter 1. And so let's talk about Zechariah and Elizabeth. Who were they? Well, Zechariah was a priest. He was working in the temple. He served God. He served the religious community. And his wife was the lovely Elizabeth. And they were God-fearing people. The story says, both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to the commandments and regulations of the Lord. In other words, they were faithful. They were faithful. They were committed to God, to God's law. They took their faith seriously. They didn't just say it. They actually lived it. The story says, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and both were getting on in years. And that's such a lovely euphemism for aging, getting on in years. I have to imagine Zechariah and Elizabeth would fit in nicely with our owls ministry here at Timberlake. The older, wiser, livelier seniors, Zechariah and Elizabeth would fit in perfectly perfectly. So what you need to know is they were older, um, and you need to know that they were righteous. These are people who were very committed to God and to God's law. They are righteous people, and they had prayed for years and years and years for children, and yet they had been unable to have children. Now they were probably old enough to be grandparents, and they had yet not ever gotten pregnant. And so we could understand then if Zechariah and Elizabeth had given up hope, right? If they had stopped hoping and wishing for a child, uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth understood basic biology. They understood that childbearing happens within a window in your lifetime, and now they are well past that window. But there's a clue in the story about what God is up to if you notice the meaning of the names of the characters Zechariah's name means the Lord remembers. And Elizabeth's name means my God is faithful. 
So one day, Zechariah is doing his priestly duty in the temple. And on that day, something extraordinary happened. He got chosen by lot, which is kind of like drawing straws. He got chosen by lot to be the one priest to go into the temple and make the special offering of the incense. Now, the reason this is remarkable is because there were about 20,000 priests and Zechariah was chosen. And so he was chosen one out of 20,000, right? Just consider those odds for a minute and just how unlikely it is that he, this one particular priest, would have been chosen. You see, if you were a priest in that day, friends, you could have gone your entire career and never been chosen. Maybe none of your friends and co-workers were chosen. It was always someone else. In fact, statistics tell us that Zechariah was more likely to be struck by lightning than he was to be chosen because the National Weather Service says your chances of being struck by lightning are 1 in 15,000. And his name was chosen 1 out of 20,000 priests. So in spite of the odds, he's chosen. And Zechariah's in there and he's making the offering of the incense. And do you understand about the connection between incense and worship? You burn incense, it's a fragrant smell, it's pleasing. It's a way of engaging all the senses in worship. And the smoke as it rises is uh, signifying our prayers, right? It's like uh, giving our prayers up to heaven and up to the Lord. And so I know some of you didn't grow up in traditions where they burned incense, but that's the idea. This is a, this is a spiritual practice of the people of God. So uh, uh, Zechariah's in there, he's praying. The whole assembly is outside praying to God. And just then, an angel appears. And the story says, when Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will name him John. I wonder if any of our Senior adults can put yourself in Zechariah's shoes and imagine an angel shows up to you and says, you're going to have a baby. How do you feel about that? Pretty excited? <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. A miracle? Yes. Uh, fun? Maybe not. Maybe not so much fun. Uh, so Zechariah and Elizabeth are going to have a son named John, and this boy will grow up to be John who? John the Baptist, very good. A prophet of the Most High, the one who will go and prepare the way for the Lord. The one who will come and say, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John has a really crucial, important role that is to be a forerunner of the Messiah and to announce His coming into the world. And Zechariah reacts to this news the way I think a lot of us would probably have reacted to that news. In disbelief. Verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure of this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is in <clears throat> getting on in years. The angel replied, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to bring you the good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, you will become mute, unable to speak until the day these things occur. Now, the Bible instructs us that we are to be slow to speak and quick to listen. But Zechariah, on this day, he forgot that, right? He did the opposite. He was slow to listen and quick to speak. And now, as a consequence, he will be mute. He will not be able to talk. That's sort of his consequence for disbelief. And I wonder how that settles with you, how you feel about that. Uh, to me, it feels a little harsh. Right? Like, here's an extraordinary, miraculous thing that he didn't see coming. And he had this moment of disbelief. 
and now there's this consequence. He's not allowed to talk for nine months. I mean, come on. Of all the characters in the story, we can relate to Zechariah, right? Because he's logical. He's reasonable. He's a realist. He understands how it, how it works to make a baby. And he's like, yo, we're way past that time. This is not possible. What in the world are you talking about? This is impossible. This is impossible. And he's right. In human terms, Elizabeth's pregnancy is as impossible as Mary's pregnancy, right? Uh, one of them is too old. One of them is a virgin. Impossible, that is, for humans, so we get where Zechariah is coming from. We also want to be logical and reasonable and realistic. And we feel that way, I think, about the world around us. Uh, we, we are reluctant sometimes to believe good things because we read the news, right? And you watch the TV news and you follow it on the internet and you know what the world is really like. We hear stories of the murder of football players and of a young person shot and killed at a restaurant that some of us like to go to right here in Lynchburg. And stories of car accidents, and of cancer, and of loved ones who get sick, and of loved ones who are dying. And so let's be real for a second, friends. Talk of new life in Christ has a kind of Alice in Wonderland quality to it. And we say, well, that's just a far-fetched idea. That's, that's an impossible dream. It is a dream, yes. Impossible? I'll never forget, friends, we are the people who believe impossible things because we are the people who worship a God who can do the impossible. So where did Zechariah go wrong, do you suppose? Well, let's take a closer look at what he said. Verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure of this? What's the problem with his question? What do you think? Who's, who's his question about? Himself. What about me? How can I be sure? I need the proof. You need to convince me. Zechariah is concerned with Zechariah. He wants evidence. He wants proof. He is not convinced of the power and the grace of God. A reminder that even priests sometimes have doubt, right? Even the holy men and holy women among us sometimes struggle to believe. So Zechariah's question is perfectly logical. It's just not that faithful because Zechariah is concerned with what he can know and what he can do, and he's not concerned enough with what God can know and what God can do. Think about the situation with me. Th think about it from, from God's perspective for a moment, from the angel's perspective. Here's Zechariah. He's a priest. He is a steward of the mysteries of God. He spends every day, day in and day out, ministering to the people of God, announcing God's forgiveness to the people, trying to persuade them to believe in God, to trust God, helping them make their offering to God. He spends his whole life doing that, every day of his life. And now in this moment, he's in the temple. He's in the house of God. He's up near the altar, near the Holy of Holies, where it's believed that God actually resided. He's in the presence of Almighty God. He's praying. He's burning the incense as a fragrant offering to God. And meanwhile, all his brother priests are outside the temple. They're also praying. They're all talking to God. They're all listening for God. This is nothing less than an encounter with the Most High God. And then in that moment, an angel shows up and Zechariah is unconvinced. <laughs> 
Like, oh, an angel of the Lord. Didn't see that one coming. What? Zechariah, what did you think was going to happen? Brothers and sisters, when you go up to the house of the Lord and you make your offering to the Lord and you pray your prayers to the Lord and you sing the praises of the Lord, don't be surprised when the Lord shows up. Don't be surprised when the Lord answers your prayer and when the Lord shows up. What are you doing in worship today? Are you just going through the motions and doing your religious duty? Or are you here with an expectation that God is moving in your life? Notice now, the angel doesn't take away Zechariah's blessing. The miracle will still happen. But Zechariah gets nine months to think about it, right? This is a time out. Sit there, be quiet, right? Zechariah is learning what we all need to learn, that there's a difference between self-justification and faith. Self-justification demands proof and assurance and predictability and validation. Prove to me. But faith understands we cannot justify ourselves. Only God can do that. And so I think this is the invitation of Christmas, friends, to turn away from ourselves and our busy, self-important lives and instead focus on the One who is laid in the manger to serve Him rather than serving ourselves, to obey Him rather than obeying ourselves, to live for Him rather than living for ourselves, to trust Him rather than trusting in ourselves. With humans, all these things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure of this? The angel replied, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I have been sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. I love the angel's reply. He's like, dude, do you know who I am? I'm an angel. Actually, strike that. I am the angel. I'm the one God sends when he has an important message to share with people. And do you know what I was doing right before this little meeting I'm having with you right now? I was having a meeting with God. I was standing in His presence and I was covering my eyes because I cannot even bear the glory of Almighty God. But I come from Him now to you to tell you this good news. Seriously, bro, an angel is standing in front of you and you need more information? I know how this goes because I've, I've been guilty like Zechariah a thousand times in my life of wanting just a little more assurance, a little more information. Can you please just promise me it's going to work out right? If I can just get a little more data, then I can make a perfect decision, right? Any other perfectionists out there this morning? If I can just get a little bit more assurance, a little bit more detail, you know, then I can be sure and confident and not have to worry at all. Can I tell you something, friends? When life is hard, we don't need more information. We need transformation. We need transformation from doubt to belief, from fear to faith, to stop trusting ourselves and all of our clever decision-making processes and instead trust God Almighty. Zechariah prayed for this. Think about it with me. So either... He didn't believe that God could really do this, so why did he pray in the first place? 
Or he did believe that God could really do this. And now why is he surprised? May God turn our surprise into wonder and awe that God remembers each of us and loves us enough to move in our lives the way that God moves in Zechariah's life. This is a blessed time of year. Um, and I know it's cold out there, right? And some of us don't like it and it's dark. Man, it gets dark way too early for my taste. Anybody else? I cannot stand the 4.30 sunsets. I mean, killing me. And not like you can even see the sun. It's been raining, I think, constantly for like a month. But I want you to have hope, friends, because I want you to notice God is at work even in the dark. Especially in the dark. God is at work in ways that are not immediately apparent to us. You see, just because we can't see it doesn't mean it's not real. God is at work. And so today, the Christmas story is, I think, a sort of dare. Daring us to believe. Daring us to believe. Dare to believe, my friends, that this church would have enough food to provide to every single hungry person who comes. So we don't need to make appointments or have some set schedule. People would show up and we would feed them. Dare to believe that God would give us enough so we could share. Dare to believe that the orphans of Lynchburg would have a place to live while they're waiting for a foster family to take them in. Dare to believe that refugee families from war-torn places like Ukraine could have a new home and a new start in America. Dare to believe that some veterans would find a home at Valor Farm right here in Alta Vista and that they could understand that life is worth living. Dare to believe that 342 children from this community will receive Christmas blessings, Christmas gifts because of you who otherwise might not have gotten any gifts during the holiday. Dare to believe that as a church, we can get through this season of change and transition and that after the vote today, the future that God holds for us is going to be brighter and better than anything we even dared to imagine. Dare to believe it, friends. Dare to believe. Does the divorced person dare to believe that anyone will ever love them again? Does the grieving person dare to believe that the darkness will pass? When you're waiting for test results, do you dare to believe that there can be healing? When you're estranged from someone you love, do you dare to believe there can be reconciliation? Dare to believe. Dare to believe. Because on Christmas, there is a holy invasion of the power of God. The eternal into the finite. The divine into the human. The mysterious into the mundane. Dare to believe. Dare to believe, friends. And you can do it because the power of God is not dependent on you. And it's not dependent on me. Dare to believe that God is good. And that He's at work even when we can't see it. Dare to believe in impossible things because we worship a God who can do the impossible. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son. 
Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown His great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. But his mother said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, none of your relatives has that name. Then they began motioning to his father to find out what name he wanted to give him. He asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And all of them were amazed. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue freed and he began to speak, praising God. Let God's people say amen. 